celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Dom. Grace. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Well, it's great to be on your podcast in my house. <laughs> Firstly, and I've, I've said it off camera, I'll say on, thank you because you are a busy man. I'm going to dive into a couple things, including your podcast, which we've had a rebrand and I'm loving it, loving the merch. First question out of the gate, where and how are you today? I'm good today. I've got a... a a busy day, um, but I just had lunch with my mum and my auntie Kath, who's a nun, who's over from Ireland, um, and I haven't seen her in two years, so, so that was good. Um, got a run out of the way, and later on this afternoon after you leave, I've got um, Andrew Webster, the coach of the, the Warriors, the NRL team, coming over for a podcast. And it was, uh, I, I, it was on my run, I, I sort of had a, a pause to reflect about it, it's like, fuck, this is like the most successful Warriors coach ever, and he's coming over to my place to go on this podcast that I've created. And it was kind of a pinch myself moment. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm constantly guilty of like just yeah, moving forward and focusing on the next. It's like, I say to people, it's like um, climbing a tree and you're reaching for the next branch and you're, you're waiting where you are. But it's, sometimes it's good just to pause, sit on that branch, and admire the view from, from where you are. And it was one of those moments. I really like that you say that because a big thing, Tall Poppy, which is what I focus on is, yeah, we're constantly thinking what's next or, yeah, maybe I got this guest but this person got this guest and not actually taking the time to appreciate, oh, shit, look what I've built. The fact that this person is coming to my home because you're credible, you have a reputation not just now in broadcasting but in podcasting. And so off the bat, and that's like the crux question, but in terms of tall poppying do you do it to yourself do you do it to other people what's your definition of tall poppy syndrome i um yeah by, by the way just before i answer that can i ask why you decided to go with this as a niche for your podcast of course um firstly i have been in the states so i went for rowing and a cool thing that they do is they really celebrate their success and mm. they celebrate other success and i'm sure you know with running when you're in boston right or even when you've been traveling with it the Americans know how to celebrate. <laughs> they, they really do. They do. It's wonderful too. It's really endearing. It is, and um, maybe you got it too, but it caught me off guard. And you actually, <laughs> you miss out if you're not going, oh, I'm, I'm Grace and I'm actually pretty good at rowing and this. If you kind of, tall poppy, we cut ourselves down, you miss out on opportunities. Yeah. And so when I was in the States for rowing and then I graduated, I wanted to stay there working, but... I've always really loved radio and broadcasting, and I think through role models like you, New Zealand has a strong presence of that. So I thought, how can I get involved in the kind of broadcasting medium? What's a topic that would drive me no matter what? So if no one listens, what's something that I could talk to every single person? And I think every Kiwi has their own experience with Tall Poppy, whether they're doing it, receiving it, or just conscious of it. So I ummed and ahed for a while discussing do I just want to focus on sports people or because that's kind of my niche and then realise like no it's everywhere your, your Kim Crossmans, your uh, business people, your students everyone experiences tall poppy so why I decided to do the mm. niche is I can go forever and ever and ever no one needs to listen, I get something from every single interview and I love to hear how people have combated it and hopefully like listeners as yeah. well See, that's why I went into it, because I was hyper-aware of it in the States, and I thought, 
I wonder what our tall poppies think about it. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I, I love it, and I agree with everything you've said about um, Americans and American culture. They, they, they still have it to a degree. They call it, I think they call it like crabs in a bucket. Yeah, or well, the Irish call it crabs. Oh, yeah. it's an Irish thing, yeah, which basically means if you see a crab in a bucket and a crab it starts to crawl its way up the side to get out, the other crabs like pull them pull back it down. down. Yep. Um, so I have heard that, and I think... Um, like, I mean, one recent sort of example of that, I guess, would be Tiger Woods, you know, like a mm. hugely successful, then he had some affairs and stuff, like, which makes him a shit husband, but it's not really anyone's business. So then he was torn down, like, relentlessly by chat shows, by talk shows, by everyone. And then, um, but then America loves to build him up again. Yeah. So he had a, had a car crash and came back from injury and won a tournament and it's all USA, USA. But I think it is sort of a thing everywhere. But and one of the names you mentioned before, um, Kim Crossman. Yeah. Um, she's 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 lovely and she's a friend of mine. I, I would um, call myself out and say I'm guilty of. Um, um, I, I don't know what what is it called when you're the of tall poppying her. Yeah. Like when I when I first met her, she was um, Sophie on Shortland Street, and she was. I met her and she told me how she was working to establish herself as a brand. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, fucking up yourself. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, because it's like, oh, a brand? What is that even? So this is probably like 15 years or, or and so And it ago. was in the radio, like she had come in for an interview or something? I think we were just just chatting somewhere, yeah. Okay. Um, and she had her own, like, yeah, so she, she didn't want to just be the character Sophie. She wanted people to know she was... Kim Crossman. Yeah. And she had her own pens and her own stationery. And I was like, this, this chick's got her own pens. Who the fuck does she think she is? And I, I can see now, like, the, it was just the thoughts I was having. I wasn't, like, criticising her publicly or anything. But the problem in that scenario was me. Mm. 100% it was me. She was, she was bang on. She was putting herself out there. She was in of it. And she's done it fucking well. She has. An, so when I interviewed her, she is someone who, straight away, to your point about why I went down this niche... People who have reached a certain level of success, especially in what she's trying to do and is doing, have had to come across tall poppying, in, like, inadvertently or extrovertly, like, people saying it to them. And so she was like, yeah, let's talk about it. And her spin on everything was so positive, and you can tell she's really, like, put so much thought into her mental well-being, into, and she's very open about that. Mm. Uh, and I like that you admit but, yeah. it's, it's muscle memory <laughs> in some capacity, I reckon. Yeah. Even, I, I, you know, I'm hyper-vigilant of it now, so when I catch myself doing it as like a muscle memory thing, I, um, I pull my head in. Yeah. You give myself an uppercut and say, you know, you're, you're being an asshole here. That's a hard thing to do, though. <laughs> do you find, because to accept that you have <laughs> to use your word, to be an arsehole or to be a tall poppier, you have to really look at yourself and go like, I've been doing it, I've been doing it, and that actually takes a lot to swallow and accept. I've done it and I'm going to try to do better to move forward, but there's still times where that muscle memory kicks in. Yeah, it's like a default setting. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think we have it? I don't know. I, don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I had, uh, actually, you've had him on your podcast as well, Sam Harvey, who's yeah. a phenomenal runner. And he, we, we discussed Tall Poppy on my podcast, and uh, the, the sort of reel and TikTok sort of blew up and went sort of viral. And he had a theory on it that it's, um, yeah, because we're in, uh, like an isolated island nation, there's a scarcity mentality. Yes. And his, so his point of view is like, well, shit, if, if this person's doing that, then that means there's not enough for me. Which is not the case. It's like, um, you know, all boats a get lifted of... in a, a rising tide, yep. whatever the saying is. Um, 
Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it's like an in, inbuilt sort of thing. Like, or, or you want to see, another version of it is like you want to see people do well, but only well to a certain point. Uh, yeah, you and then, then, then it's like, oh, like, like I, and again, I'm, I've probably been guilty of this. Like, I remember, like, oh, Taika Waititi, he's amazing, he's hilarious. You know, eagle versus shark, you know, two cows one night. And then it's, it's like, he does the Thor movie, and he's the biggest star in the fucking world, and he's married to Red Orr, and then you're like, oh, the last Thor movie was a bit shit. Ah, yeah. Tyke has lost it. And it's like, I catch myself doing it, and it's like, that's, that's tall poppy syndrome. Yes, and do you think that's because jealousy, envy, whatever it is of like, oh, Taika was out, I knew him, you know, oh, he, he felt like he was within my reach, and now he's so tall that I need to find a way to bring it back down, because otherwise you start to look at yourself like, well, why haven't I reached it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, actually, that's probably a good point. It probably stems in... Like resent, resentment and bitterness about your own life and where you are. Do you think? I think so because it's... To a degree? Yeah. I mean, everyone's probably fueled by different things. I think when I experience tall poppying in the sense of I'm doing it to someone else, thinking, oh, you're good at that, but what's your family life like? You know, like, <laughs> I think it's because otherwise you, I'll look at myself and go, far out, they're nailing it on all fronts and I'm struggling to nail it in one instance mm. and that's the point of this podcast is instead of going oh, they, something must be wrong actually going well you're doing a bunch of things right and asking them how did you get there because most people that have asked say uh, if it's not support systems it's a lot of working on their mental health it's exercise it's planning it's fucking up many many times before they figured it out so for you like Running, I think that's something we both have in common. Mm. If I'm not running, and I know when you were injured, that must have been hard. If I'm not running, I'm not a very nice person mm. because that's my time to think things through, to plan, and then I go into interactions more positive. What role does running serve for you? Or in general, like you say, you do reflect more now and try not to chop other people down. <laughs> What's changed, essentially, that you don't do that anymore? Uh, I as don't much? Know. Probably age and maturity and um, to a degree. And, but also when, when you experience some of it yourself, you're like, okay, it's not really, it's not really cool yeah. and it's not really helpful. And then, yeah, I, th I think with, with age and maturity, because I'm old as shit now, <laughs> you realise that... Um, you, you know, you you can be successful, and I can be successful on podcasts. Like, uh, uh, yeah, there, there, there's, I don't know. There's another saying I really like. It goes something like, um, "You shouldn't make the fence taller. You should make the table bigger." And what it means is like, don't, don't, don't build big walls outside so no one can come in. Just like have small, tear the walls down and make the table bigger, because so, there's room for all of us at the table. And that feeds into actually, because when I saw you start doing with Sam Harvey and then someone else recently, I forget, the tall poppy, I'm thinking like, oh, there is that instinct that comes in like, yo, that's, that's what yeah. I talk about. Stay in your lane, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. And then, and then I'm like, far out. Like, and, but you catch yourself and you go, shit, I need to try talk to Dom. So your point about the table, we can actually talk about that. But I did get that instinct of like, this is what I talk about. So... Yeah, to, to your point about not, not, not trying to outdo each other, you can actually come together and hopefully this conversation they go, and then people go back and listen to Sam, they go listen to all your other ones because yeah. they think, oh well, I don't really want to hear from everyone about Tall Poppy, I've got plenty of hours in the day, let me listen to another podcast, mm. but it is hard, I found the competitive nature in me being like, oh, I need to do better, I need to, and then I just reached out to you. Yeah, are you quite um, are you quite hard on yourself? Like, are you do you tall poppy yourself? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm smiling as you say that because I think um, even today, like, it'll be the smallest things like, oh, my God, Grace, you should have arrived here 10 minutes earlier, not on two. Like, it can be the really little things of that, like, you could have done that better. I'm always thinking, and this could be that athlete's mindset, especially in rowing, you're talking seconds. You win or lose a race by a matter of seconds. So if you're not being absolutely efficient in every way, you're losing it. But that comes into that competition of, like, you know only one person can win a rowing race mm. and I'm trying to figure out like oh we can all actually finish the race and enjoy it but it's still there of I need to make myself better constantly so yeah I am I am pretty hard on myself but learning to celebrate the moments like this is a big moment being able to sit here with you like I'm stoked about it but I know when oh, I go you home need a, you need a higher aspirations no. <laughs> but I know when I go home and I'll, I'll look back and think oh, you could have done this, you should have asked this, you should have done that. Do you find yourself after an interview thinking that? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah, I, like I had a chat a couple of weeks ago and then um, I was chatting to my girlfriend that night and she was like, oh, how did it go? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm just mad at myself. Like, there were a couple of things that I should have picked up on that I didn't. And, you know, so, I, I, yeah, I think that's self-analysis. It's always, it's always sort of there. It's exhausting, though, eh? It's, it's exhausting, but I feel like... Um, yeah, I don't know, I've got a conflicted relationship with it because I, I think having that sort of like relentless drive where you want to do better is, is good because mm. you do end up getting better but it just doesn't feel like it's always helpful. Yeah, do you listen to, like, I have some motivational things that come on and it's like, you know, don't quit, keep going. So sometimes when you feel like I should take a rest, I'm like, that's what losers do. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a David Goggins thing. Yeah, yeah, you do. Exactly. Yeah. And so finding that balance, it is hard. And you think, well, if I rest, someone's going to keep going. Like, um, So clearly showing up, despite all these conversations, wonderful conversations I'm having with people, it's things that are subjective, like running. You either run it in a certain time or you don't. Whereas something like podcasting, no one's going to go, oh, Dom, that was perfect. You ran it as well as you could. Because it could go endless ways. Mm. And so there's no metric. It's the same with, like, in school, people like math because there's a definitive answer. And I like writing. But you're never going to say that's complete. Same. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, English was my jam. Like, uh, because it was kind of subjective. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like the, the, the podcast that I'm doing tonight with um, the Warriors coach, Andrew Webster. Like, I'm already getting mild anxiety about it because I know that Warriors fans that listen will probably be disappointed that there's not enough like in-depth league chat and stuff. Um, so you never, but you ne- that's the thing with these things. You're never going to please everyone, are you? Yeah. So you almost tall poppers. You tall poppers yourself there because no one said that yet, but you're already preemptively well, yeah, thinking. Yeah, actually, that's true. Oh, Warriors fans aren't going to like uh, this. Catastrophizing. Yeah. yeah. Most of your thoughts are they, they never come true anyway. And obviously, you were in like radio broadcasting for. A legendary amount of time like the the reputation the league you're at is very few people are there right and you must develop a thick skin and I've heard you once say like when you're on the radio especially when there was you know three of you you almost have to slip into um like an identity you're still Dom Harvey but for the sake of the yeah you need a role you need a, you need a role so when you were getting criticized for your role do you feel the need to be like, oh, disclaimer, I'm actually really nice? <laughs> yeah, it's not really me. It's not, you know, I, I, yeah. No, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, that. I've still got a, a strange sort of relationship with that because it's like, um, say, 
um, the actor Michael Galvin, who's Chris Warner on Shortland Street. Like, Chris Warner is clearly a character. Mm. But if you're on the radio and you're using your own name, you, it's, it's basically, you are, you are still being yourself, but it's being an extension of yourself. Like, I'm fucking boring. <laughs> so no one would want to listen to me on the radio. So you need to be an exaggerated sort of, sort of version of yourself. But then you have to own everything you say and you do on the radio. Yeah, but then you walk outside of the studio or onto the street. And a tough question, but how do you feel getting perceived and feeling judgment for something? Well, maybe it is you, things that you fully felt. But yeah, you're doing a job in that role and then same as everyone else but yours is in the public sphere and mm. then you just want to go to the supermarket or you just want to do something and you have put yourself in that place where people do have an opinion and mm. you're thinking you don't know the full picture like that yeah. <laughs> and is it because New Zealand's a smaller smaller market so people feel like they have ownership um, yeah how do you because you, you laugh and you go ah oh, you said you just get on with it but how do you deal with it yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly. I think just having, having good friends and, and friends, family and support network outside of it, yeah. people that actually know you, yeah. um, that definitely helps. And also just trying to remind myself that like it's a blessing in a way that people actually have an opinion or care enough to have an opinion. Because the alternative could be, you know, people being like, oh, radio, no one listens to the fucking radio, who cares? I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, you, so your job is to... Um, when you're on the radio is to like like be noticed and try and get attention or you know try and you just try and sort of evoke an emotion in someone whether it's whether it's laughter or you know or you know tears of joy or anger whatever it is so if you evoke an emotion then you're doing your job and and just an add-on to that like no, no one is ever ever rude to you in person so no. pe- people may text into the to the radio studio saying, "Oh, yeah, you're a piece of shit," yeah, blah blah blah, but never in never in real life. Like, the interactions you have with people in real life are only ever positive. And that ties into I had a um, Stanley Henry. He runs the Attention Seeker, and it's this organic brand strategy. It's awesome. And he talked about exactly what you said. If they're getting negative comments, and more and more, he goes, "Good," because let's say it's five percent of all feedback is negative. And if that 5% feels like a lot, then that's because the 95% of good is growing and growing. So Mm. he uses it as an indicator that I'm doing something right because his game is organic growth, getting more attention. So you've touched upon that of like, yeah, if I'm getting feedback from people and it's negative, there's actually a a lot more. The ratio to positive is significantly higher. You just might not hear from those yeah. people as much. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's like whenever I, whenever I get an Uber somewhere and it comes up with a little box, like five stars, I'm like, skip, skip, skip. Yeah. But rest assured, if I went into an Uber and it smelled like the guy just crapped himself, it would definitely be a one star and a negative review. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, generally for the most part, I don't know if this is a Kiwi thing or a universal thing, but if you're happy, you just don't do anything about it. No. And do you look a lot at your numbers, like with the podcast, with the engagement, do you find yourself... I'd, I'd, yeah, I'm coming up to like two years now of doing the podcast, and I, I, I do do it less and less. Yeah. But last year, year one, I'd be going... <laughs> I'd be on that app like a few times a day. Yeah. <laughs> like an un- unhealthy obsession with the numbers. And then, and then, then I'd do a thing where you, you'd have a guest on and that wouldn't, wouldn't perform as well, and you'd be like, fuck, I need, I need a bigger celebrity next week, and... Now I'm just more more sort of zen about it, and I, my my approach now I um like because, yeah one one thing which is very different between like podcasting and radio is um radio you do a voice break and whether it's good or it's bad it's out and then it's done yeah and then you're on to the next one um, so people 
that listen to you for many years may not even remember anything that you did, but they'll just remember how you made them feel. But podcasting is more, more permanent, so I, I sort of see every episode now as being like a book in the library. And you have some books that are going to be like, you know, Twilight when it first came out, <laughs> yeah, where lots of people listen to it and talk about it. And then there's other books that are going to be hidden gems and they just sort of sit there. And some of those hidden gems, like there's been some, because I only look once a week, right? Because at your numbers. At my numbers, because there's nothing crazy and it's not going to change how I make my decisions. But there has been times when I look and I think, why didn't they do so well? Or like, I would have thought people would have really resonated and wanted to share that and then other ones have surprised me. So, and you don't you don't have to say it if you don't want to. Is there like one guess you think, oh, people didn't, that didn't blow up in the same way I thought it would? Mm, yeah. I, I had one recently um, with um, Amelia Kerr. She goes by the name Melee, Melee Kerr. One of the best young female cricketers like in the world. Like yeah. she's a phenomenal talent, like just ridiculously good. But... As, and she's the youngest person I've had on the podcast. She's 22, and she the the way that she can articulate her feelings around her mental health, it's like it's phenomenal. Like she's a really wise old soul, and it's there's good messages in there, and she's just a lovely person as well. And I thought that would have popped off, and it hasn't hasn't yet. It hasn't yet. It might do might do one day, but I was really surprised. I thought, oh, okay, hmm. yeah, maybe that's a slow burn, and like later people. But it's such a good. I think like it. For me internally, like it was such a good story and such a good message from her that you just want yeah. more people to hear it. But I've, I've given up trying to figure out like <laughs> the, the flows and the algorithms of <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> no, in the social media part, because you want to promote it, like your Instagram stuff, which is doing well. And you think, oh, if I put more, e-, again, tall poppy and yourself, if I put more effort in, would it go here or go here? Um, you have support? Do you have support on like that stuff? I do now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been a, it's been a game changer. Yeah, because it overwhelms me sometimes. Yeah, but it's so oh, yeah, I've got a, like a social media um, like strategist now, and he he takes care of everything. But um, yeah, I had this random podcast a few weeks ago. It was this um, inspirational woman, but one of those stories that no one would have really ever heard of called Shaz Dag. And about five years ago, there was um, she was on a farm in Manawatu, and there was like a freak gust of wind. And it blew a sheet of corrugated iron into her arm. Yep, lost her arm. Yeah, and she ended up having her arm amputated. And now she's like the first amputee that's done uh, the coast to coast. And she's just, just her attitude and her resilience, it's remarkable. So I flew her up here. I knew it was going to be a good story, but I didn't think it would, it would go very well in terms of listenership. Um, the listenership numbers, they were fine. But the, uh, the, the TikTok that my social media guy made, that, it's sitting on like 1.5 million at the moment. It's gotten better than any other TikTok. And you're like, I give up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah. You're trying to. It's like trying to crack a code that just can't be cracked. And I'm sure that people listening who are in that game would say, Oh well, there is. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was, I was. I was. I mean, I mean, there's no money in that for me or anything. It doesn't doesn't really mean anything. But I was really stoked for her. Yeah, and it's cool to see her reach and where she's getting to. Yeah. Have there been any? Because you said you've been at it now two years. I, I know, and we won't go necessarily, and if you don't want to, you maybe had to take one down at a certain point. Are there learnings you've had that you think, oh, shit, what do I... Firstly, what do I wish I'd known at the start? Because it's good that we've learned now, but what's something that you think would have helped a lot had you known at the start, and then have a follow-up after that? Huh. That's, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I'd do, if I'd do anything... Um, 
differently. Like I, I started with audio only, and then eventually, as I started getting a, a little bit of income coming in, I got cameras. And you know, I look back now, and I could have like pumped pumped some of my own money into it mm. at, from the beginning, and been where I, where I'm at now. But I feel like you need to like learn and grow and evolve as you go. Yeah. Um, in terms of like content decisions, so, yeah. So I went on. John Key's son, the former Prime Minister Max Key, he came on my podcast, and then after that, he, he decided to set up his own podcast. So I returned the favour and went on his. And that podcast, um, it got a bit of media attention and it had to be taken down because, um, and it turns out, uh, I don't know. I think the media said have it in for Max Key because he's John Key's son. So there was all these stories saying it's in breach of the a thing called the Coroner's Act, and yeah. Max Key could go to jail for a year because it's his platform, which was never going to happen. It was like. It was just a, like alarmist stuff, but um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of the you know, radio broadcasting standards and that you can't talk about that sort of stuff, but I didn't, sort of, I, I wasn't sure that podcasts fell under the same umbrella. But that aside, that was, a, that was a very valuable learning and it's something that I'll never do again. No, and that's big of you to recognise that and well, to yeah. learn from it, yeah. Well, like, like Grace, the, 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 like, I think, how old are you? I just turned 25. 25. Throughout my like, entire 20s, probably 30s as well, I was fucking shit scared of failure. Like, um, I would actively avoid anything where I'm going to, like, look embarrassed yeah. or where people that don't like me could be like, yeah, I knew you'd suck at that. Like you mentioned before we started, I don't know if this a, a comedian that you've got coming up. Oh, she's out, Lisa Lampanelli. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, and you said she started stand-up comedy when she was 30. Yeah. And that's something, at that stage in my life, um, I probably would have wanted to try, but I wouldn't have wanted to try because for fear of, I suppose, tall poppy in a way. Yeah. Or people that, people that don't like me and are never going to like me would be like, yeah, he did it and he sucked at it. <laughs> it was, and a lot of that I see now is, is in my own mind. There, there are people like that, sure, that want to see you fail, but it's like, fuck those people. <laughs> like, seriously. As I've got older, I just don't give a flying fuck about that anymore. Like, yeah, when I was your age, there's no way I'd ever wear a fucking T-shirt with my own name on, especially in this bigger font. But now it's like... I can't, I can't live my life for people that, that don't like me and are looking for more reasons not to like me. <laughs> That's such a powerful statement and it takes you two sentences to say it, but to have gotten there, you said your 20s and your 30s, shit scared of failing, so you don't even try. And you were still being very successful, so if someone looked at that, they'd think, yeah, Dom, he's succeeding, he's doing this, but I think the word we're scared of, and maybe you'll resonate with this, is he's a try hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I was at school, like that was the that was the worst thing you could be called try hard. And if you if you break it down, what it actually means is that you're trying hard. It's it's <laughs> like if if I if I was lucky enough to have kids and they were try trying hard, I'd be the proudest fucking parent. Like being a try hard, it's good. Yeah, but for some reason, that's oh, he's a try hard. Yeah, she's been a try hard. That is what it is. Like that's yeah. that tall popping and. Anything worth doing, you have to suck at before you get good at. Like you, you think about like um, when you're when you're a kid, like you're learning to learning to walk, like learning to tie your shoelaces, learning to ride a bike, learning to hold utensils, yeah. you're learning to button up shirts. It's like there's all these things that we take for granted as adults that are you fail at and you fucking suck at, and but failure leads you to success. No one can ever pick up a guitar and immediately play it like Ed Sheeran. That just doesn't. Try hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's tried very hard. Well, uh, yeah. That relates to what you said, you know, with like, we want you to be good, 
and succeed and then when you get to a level it's like steady on it's almost like we root for the underdog someone's trailing behind we're like oh come on I want you to do well and then they try hard and then they start doing really well and you're like pump the brakes yeah I don't want you to be as good as me I don't want you to be as good or better than me stop it stay in this little failure area you were in and I'll feel better about myself for cheering you along like Mm. oh you're being a good Samaritan because you're helping someone until they get to you your level or past you, yeah, and then they're so a tryhard. Something you said there too about like with Max Key, he's someone, and it's the Nepo baby. I think a lot about there's all these people who are what's Nepo baby? A Nepo baby, like a nepotism, right? Oh, okay. So it's a phrase that's going around like um, the Beckhams, their son Brooklyn. He's a Nepo baby. So or, it's like a trust fund baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah trust fund baby. It's like specifically with uh, celebrities or maybe like athletes when they're kids get given greater opportunities, right? Like Nigel Barker, he's this photographer who used to do American top model and stuff. His daughter is now modeling. You'd say she's a Nepo baby. Because of him, she's getting into a lot of doors. Oh, okay. Or yep. like Kendall Jenner is a Nepo baby. Yeah, or um, Willow and Jaden Smith. Yes, perfect, perfect. They're Nepo babies. And for some reason, so Max Key's, for lack of a better word, a Nepo baby because of who his dad was, people put these insane standards or before he even tries they rip him down like you said the media's out to get them why what did he do mm-hmm. he just happens to be the child of someone who succeeded and so that's just a trend i'm noticing and a lot of people are of like yeah nepo babies get this aggressive standard so when so when you touched upon like the media's comes after max key just because but yeah he's he's not done anything except be the kid of someone and now when he's trying to do things he's put to a much different standard than someone else would Mm. be and i don't know do you have any thoughts on that not really no like the the, the, i mean the max key thing like um yeah i was the one that fucked up on his podcast but it only became a story because of exactly what you're what you're saying and alarmist headlines like um yeah the penalty for this Max could go to jail for six months to a year or have a fine of 100. It was never going to happen. Like, he, you know, he'd have to edit that bit out of the podcast or take it down. So it's like alarmist. It was just... Sensationalised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's like a story about nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my podcast with him was quite quite interesting because he's quite a polarising guy. But it's like, you think about what he's been through. Like, you know, because I did a bit of research before he came in for that podcast. And you see the clip of... um, him on stage with um, his mum and his dad and his sister when his dad first became Prime Minister, he was just a fucking kid. Yeah. <laughs> just a kid on this, on the, like 13 or 14, you know? And, and he, um, him and his dad are particularly close. And he, in, in the podcast, he sort of talks about like losing his dad for his puberty years. Yeah. Like he's like, he might see him for an hour on a Sunday night and that's, that was it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I left that conversation with a different... Um, View on Max Key. Not, I was. I suppose I was kind of impartial. Like I was never one of those people that, yeah, would. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'd never go at any politician, let alone any of their kids. No. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a subject change. High performance. Clearly a runner, right? Love it. <laughs> not 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 at a high performing level though. Can we just? Um... <laughs> okay, well that's the whole metric, right? Someone who's in running or at, like I run a three fifty six is my best ever marathon, right? And so some people, they're like, oh, sub four, wicked. But then my mate just ran a 2.52, female. And I'm like, wow. oh, I'm bloody jogging in comparison, mm. right? So you're constantly looking at, like, the next metric. Yeah. So you say, oh, not high performing. What you've done is 
and just the running is bloody inspirational. There's people who would bust their ass to try and get to what you've done. So yeah. is that because you're looking at who's up that you don't think you're high performing in that aspect? I, I guess so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. And it is something that I... Yeah, thanks for pulling me up on that because I... Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's self-deprecating sort of Kiwi thing, I guess. But it's, I, I say to other people, like people who message me about running, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not like you, I'm a plotter. And it's like, everyone's got their own version of what fast is. Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pointless. It's pointless trying to compare yourself with anyone else. Yeah. And I am trying to get better at that. It's like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that matters is your own times. It's comparing yourself to yesterday. And... When you compare yourself to yesterday across the spectrum, high performance, how would you define it for you? What is, like, if you think, okay, I'm high performing, what's that definition? What are the metrics? Just doing the best you can and being able to brush your teeth in the evening and look in the mirror and say, yeah, I I, I did the best I could today. Yeah. I think that's probably... That's probably it. I've never been asked that question. You, you, you know you get asked a question and then you come up with an answer on the spot. <laughs> I need to be more, more like Elon Musk and just sit here buffering for a minute. Because as soon as you leave, I'll be like, oh, fuck, that, that was a dumb answer about high performance. <laughs> but it's, it's your instinctive response, isn't it? Yeah. I think you're consistently good but are able to perform when they need to perform. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it could be like numerous different things, eh? Like a... Uh, another thing I think it is is probably like you know resilience and never giving up. Yeah. Constantly trying. Actually, have you have you seen the uh, the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix? Miss America. Miss America? Yeah. And there, there's a phone call she gets where she finds out. Oh, I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I think she finds out she's not nominated for any Grammys. Yeah. And then she, you can tell she's fucking gutted, and then she goes, "Okay, I'll I'll just have to try harder next year." Seen and I'm like, album. wow, I got goosebumps just telling that story now because it's like, holy shit, that's high performance, isn't it? Like, not even, not, like, you can tell she's disappointed, but it's like for five seconds and then she's like, okay, well, I've got to do better. Yeah, not sitting in that emotion of... Oh, it's not fair. Or the, yeah, it's because no, they, oh, no, the, the judges have got it in for me because of the Kim Kardashian thing. But yeah. there's no, there was no self-pity. It was just like, I have to try better. I wonder then, as you say that, I'm thinking maybe high performance is actually a lot to do with accountability because if someone's high performing it doesn't matter if they're interviewing someone in a car or if they're running on not the right shoes a high performer is able to take whatever environment context they have and perform well mm. so maybe it is accountability like in that yeah. example taylor swift goes i'm a huge swifty by the way she goes <laughs> oh, don't, don't get me started don't have a swift off what's your what's your favorite song of all time of oh, all time um or do you want to do an album by album? Can we <laughs> no, no, no. What? No, it's, um, well, it's your podcast. You, you can set the parameters. Okay, we'll do <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, you're, thank you. Uh, recently, obviously, 1989 just came out. Wonderland by Taylor's version. It has to be Taylor's version. That's, that's a classic. And then so if I had to have like a party, if I was like, I need to amp myself up, it's going to be that one. But if I want to get like in the feels... Oh, uh, maybe like Red, one of her... Really? I don't know. You've... Oh. What about you? Yeah, oh, well, shit, for me, it's a no-brainer. If, yeah, um, all too well, Sad Girl Autumn version. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the 10-minute version. The 10-minute version. Oh, I'm obsessed with that. I was obsessed with that song before... 
just when it came out on the Red album. Yeah. And then when I heard like there was a 10-minute version coming out, it was like, yes, yes, this is what we've all wanted. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed with that song. Dylan O'Brien and Sadie, the video they did of it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know you were a Swift. Oh, yeah, I love it. Um, out, of, out of the Woods as well. They, uh, yeah. People shit on that song, but I really like it. Yeah, and the, her, her lyrics always are going to resonate or hit mm. with people and then not other people, mm. aren't they? Favourite album? Do you have a favourite album? Red. Red or 1989? 1989. Mm. When it first came out, I think I was like, I don't know, 14, 15. I was like, oh, cool. These are cool songs, whatever. And now I'm at the age when she was when she released it. Mm. And so things... I'm thinking, oh, this hits a little different from one of our other songs. What about you? Is it Red? Probably Folklore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Folklore's great. Favourite song from that one? Last Great American Dynasty. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Well, I just went into a... Oh, I just love it. It was just clever songwriting. It's like... Um, and it's based on a true story about this crazy, this crazy rich old lady. And, yeah. and then, at the end, Taylor ties it in and she now lives in that house. <laughs> and it's like... It's like, oh! You hear it, it's like, it's like a mic drop moment at the end of the song. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, oh, since we're on here, what about um, Antihero? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Antihero? You break that down. In terms of, like, from a tall poppy, sort of mental health and a voice perspective. Oh, totally. I, 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 I can stare directly at the sun, but I can't look in the mirror. Yeah, it must she, be exhausting always rooting for the antihero. It's like pulling yourself down. Oh, she must be someone who, whatever skill she's got, because she's just this next level of in terms of external feedback she's getting. Do you reckon, have you watched any of um, like the David Beckham or the uh, Robin Williams documentaries on Netflix? Yeah, oh, Robbie Williams, yeah, but, yeah both. And, I thought they were fantastic. Yeah, and the way Robbie says you get desensitised to the cheering like fans in that sense and how it's not... Good for you. I don't think it is good for you to be in the public eye mm. that much. And it's not. It's not normal, eh? Yeah, it isn't. It isn't normal for you, right? We've kind of talked about high performance, and we'll think different answers once we both go our separate ways today. Of oh shit, this is probably what I think it is. <laughs> it's annoying, eh? <laughs> well, I suppose it's like interactions. You have, you know, if you have like a a sort of salty argument with someone and then you walk away and you're like, damn it, I should have said that. That would have been a good line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I could have, I could have, <laughs> that would have been a good argument. Yeah. Fuck. So for you looking forward, what are, what are you looking forward to for yourself and for the podcast and think that's something, because you're constantly, you're an ambitious person. You want to hit those next milestones. What are they for you? Like, what are you looking forward to personally and professionally? Well, the, yeah, I, I can't I can't answer that directly because it's like I it feels like we're at the sort of forefront of this new sort of media. Yeah. So it's it's hard to yeah. There's no sort of um, like blueprint to follow. No. So it's it's hard to know. But I've I've got some really good friends that are in the same game as well. Um, yeah, Brody Kane. Uh, she's got a few podcasts. Um, these guys, Stephen Seamus, who do a podcast called Between Two Beers, and we I, I found it like a really supportive an inclusive sort of um, uh, medium. And we all sort of help each other and, you know, share notes and exchange ideas. So I, I don't know. I, like, I, I just want the podcast to be as as good as what it can be and as, as big as what it can be. Because I, I feel really good about the, the stuff I'm doing. Like, we, when you're on radio, it, yeah, it's very format-specific and it's very audience-specific. And, yeah, there's, a, like, a lot, of, um, a lot of chefs in the kitchen, I guess. Yeah. Um, but... 
when you're doing your own podcast, like I can speak to whoever the fuck I want. And I've got no one saying, uh, like I, I had a guy on a few months ago called Arch Jelly. He's a famous New Zealand running coach. And he, he's 101 years old. He was, that was a good lesson. Now, if you're on radio, they'll be like, oh, no one, no one wants to listen to a fucking old man talk. You know, it's like, well, I want, I, I'm, I'm interested. So I, I feel really good about um, the conversations I'm having and the people I'm having them with. And I don't know where it's going to, where it's going to lead, but I feel like it's going somewhere good. On that, a metric, a metric of success for me is if I leave a conversation, I think that person feels better about themselves and feels like that wasn't a waste of their time, mm. right? Those are two metrics. So the thing with Archie, that was your second interview. Yeah, with him. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and listening to both, I'm thinking, I hope there's a, you know, a third and a fourth, but he's 101. That's quite crazy. He's, he's, he's so funny. So he, are you on Strava? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the non-runners <laughs> out there. We won't go on a, a swift-style tangent on Strava. Um, so he, he gives me kudos on some of my runs. He's 101 fucking years old. During the pandemic, he, he ordered an exercise bike and assembled it himself. He's amazing. He's incredible. And he, you think about the things he's been through. Like, we, we, you know, you and I, we were all... Th- the pandemic's the most stressful thing we've been through. Yeah. He, he, he went to the Second World War. He's... <laughs> you know? He, he was he, you know, a kid in the Great Depression, and, and he's, he's still um, physically and mentally really sharp. So it's like I wanted to tap into his, into his knowledge. Um, the funny thing is, earlier this year when he came around the week of his 101st birthday, he said to me, oh, what do you, what do you want to talk about? Like, I feel like we covered everything last year. <laughs> so are you fucking kidding me? You know, you've been around 100 years. We can't cover your whole life in a one-hour chat. No, not in a multi-hour chat. No. I, I, th- I think he's amazing, and he just had a really good... Um, yeah, one of the really big takeaways for me was... Um, uh, he said, whenever there's any sort of like difficulty or adversity in your life, you need to find the positive in there as soon as you can as quickly as you can. And the, the recent example he gave is um, he's been told recently that he's not allowed to drive anymore. Wasn't that the cutest thing? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he goes, that's quite upsetting because, you know, you lose your independence. But he goes, you know, you look, look on the bright side and you go, okay, well, it's going to save me a lot of money. Um, I'll better get my steps up because I have to walk places. Yeah. So straight away, and I found that just inspirational, the fact that he's, he's you know, over 100 and he hasn't sort of, hasn't sort of tapped up or given out on life. He's still, you know, like, like um, yeah, practicing, uh, you know, these lessons that he's learned over the years. And his That's re- cool. Yeah, his response time, Kim, uh, again, said something similarly, you know, like you can feel those emotions, but then it's like, what am I going to do with it? Let's move on. So maybe you feel that for a night. Mm. It sounds like he's he's sharpened that tool to be able to do it quickly and sometimes maybe when you're 101 you're like oh, I don't know <laughs> oh, if I can time. spend a whole night dwelling on this <laughs> I need to keep moving oh that's, yeah, that's cool actually yeah my at the time of us recording this my current podcast is um Carden Berger who's uh like one of the silver ferns yeah um and she said the same thing. Like she, she ended up with a bad injury last year, which meant she couldn't go to the Commonwealth Games, and she was fucking gutted. Um, but she was like, "Okay, I'm going to give myself the weekend to sulk about this, and then next week, new week, you know, back into it. Keep at it. Pull yeah. your socks up." And I, but I mean, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Always. Like compartmentalising like that. I think that takes a real special person. It's easy to do it for someone else. Yeah, you know the right thing to do. Yeah. You can look yeah. at someone else and go, oh, you should do this, this, and this, but when it's you, that's when it's, yeah. that's when it's harder. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah, it is. It's a lot harder. And maybe that's because if you feel like you didn't do everything you could, you're still grappling with that, whereas someone mm. else can objectively go, hey, you did a pretty damn good job. 
keep at it, whereas for you, you're thinking, oh, and it's that, that whole tall popping yourself, should I even try this, someone else is better at it. Um, so hearing those conversations, and that's what I love about li- listening to yours, and I need to catch up on some, is like, you don't directly talk about tall poppy, but you always do because these are tall poppies and whatever skills they've had. So I loved asking you, like, well, how do you deal with external feedback? And you just kind of say, who who does matter? And take that feedback. Because I don't think, you know, this thing of it doesn't matter what other people think. Actually, some people, I do care what hmm. they think, but it's a matter of finding who I care about. Yeah, because there are people that are going to tear you down no matter what. Yeah. So the more success you have, there's going to be people that see see you have the success and they'll seethe about it because they don't want it. Yeah. And then when an opportunity comes to tear you down, they'll do it straight away. But you can take negative feedback from people that are going to like champion you when you're doing well. Yeah. You know, you want you want people that cheer for you when you're doing well. Um, and I think they're it's figuring out who those people are and they're the ones that go, actually, Grace, eh, you, you kind of fucked up there. You could have done a lot better if you think about it. You want to take their advice. But anyone that's just going to tear you down regardless, it's like you don't need that in your life. No. Fuck those people. And I'm, I'm just I'm mad at myself that it took me so many years to, to get sort there. of reach that point of, of giving less of a fuck. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, it stopped me from doing so much just worrying about what other people would think. And it's other people that don't matter what they would think. Whereas now, and is that part too, like you've changed the name, it's the Dumb Harvey Podcast, and it originally was Runners Only. Yeah. Was part of that hesitation of, like, not wanting to be... I mean, it was always you, right? But was that part of the hesitation of, oh, far out. I don't want to be... The try-hard element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Dom show. Because it always was the Dom show. Mm. The name's so irrelevant. Yeah. Was well, that pa- part, part of that? Part of that was um, when, when I launched, like, just on about two years ago, um, it felt... This is so funny. How long have you been doing yours, by the way? Uh, just over a year. Yeah. So one year, two years ago, that's pretty much the same sort of time, I guess, we started. And it felt like the podcast market was quite congested yes. and you needed a niche. Um, and it was actually the social media guy I've got, Marcus, who's been incredible. He, he was like, oh, you should call it this. Like, you know, you've got 50,000 Instagram followers. Like, you know, it's your podcast. And I, I suppose there was that reluctance. It's like, like putting yourself out there. Which is what we should be yeah. doing, yeah. And because if you... And I love that you've said that and you've been so honest with saying that you wish you had realised sooner. Oh, mate, you've got no idea. Like, uh, yeah, I, I um, handbrake myself with so many things in life. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we're only here for, for, for one life, so you've got to do everything you can. And fuck what anyone thinks. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try everything. Do it all. Yeah, that, and that's actually... Putting myself out there, it sounds... It's crazy because it kind of was. I went through this stage about a year and a half ago where I was like, genuinely, what's the point? Like, what is the point? If these other people have comments, when I'm, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to think, oh, well, what did X, Y, and Z think about it? I'm, I only have to answer to myself. Mm. And so what other people think, like, does not matter unless I want it to matter. It was the power it gave. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure... There's people who go, oh, what's Grace doing? That really doesn't bother me because those aren't the people I want in my corner. Mm, absolutely. And that's something from listening to your podcast and listening to others is you do hear those lessons, which is why I want to spread them. Is like, yeah, here's Dom saying, fuck, he wished he'd known this a decade or two earlier. That's a gift he can give me. And so mm. I can be 25 and start thinking, okay, 
I'm not scared of failure. I want to give it a go. Mm. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no worries. Yeah. I mean, and, and saying that, it's like um, I, I, I still feel very young inside. I'm 50 now. But there's, no, there's nothing that I like physically can't do. Like I'd, yeah. I, I'm not like, man, I wish I fucking did an ultramarathon in my 20s because I can't do it now because I'd still try it now. But just the fact that I let, I suppose, like an internal fear or fear of what other people would say stop me from doing things. So like one thing that I would have wanted to do was stand-up comedy. I've got, I've got little desire to do it now. Oh, I was going to say, But if the desire ever came back, then I, I absolutely would. But you think, now what would have been the worst thing that would happen? You know, you go to the Classic in Queen Street in Auckland, you do a five-minute set, nobody laughs. Or you get stage fright, you run off stage, you cry backstage. It's not... Oh, it's not a matter of life and death. No, no. <laughs> like, and if anything, you can look back a year after and go, oh my God, I tried stand-up comedy and nobody fucking laughed and I walked off stage after four jokes. And that's a funny story on its own. And uh, Jane Fonda, she does a... Uh, she's amazing, by the way. Is she like 80 now, 90? Yeah, she's late 80s. And so she Incredible. did a podcast on Armchair Expert, I think it was, something like that. And she was discussing, she was 62 and she got a divorce because she said, I'm heading into my third act. That's how she viewed it. And her friends were like, oh, you're 62. Like, aren't you a bit old to begin with? She's like, no, I still have, hopefully, a, th- a third of my life left, which is a significant amount of time. Mm. I'm not going to not try something or not make a decision that's for me because, oh, I'm at this age. And, yeah, now she's 20 years later, still in movies, doing yeah. all these crazy things. Yeah, she's She's incredible. an inspirational woman, and I love that part where she was like, yeah, 62, and she's like, I'm still young. And she did not let the other people around her go, Jane, settle down. She's like, I'm just getting warmed up, and mm. I know myself, which took 62 years to get to a place where she was like, I'm actually the most confident I've been now. And so why would I waste that? Like, as you mm. get older, you get that wisdom, you get that comfortability with yourself and those around you, and so you can back yourself. Yeah. So it's a prime time to try things. Yeah, 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 you've got to never stop giving up. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I like to think of, think of it like a sports game. So, you know, say a sports game, there's like two halves of 40 minutes. Yeah. So say you live to 80, that's the same thing. So you, no one ever gets to the second half in a sports game and goes... Oh, I've done everything I want to do. I'm just going to kick back for the next 40. No. You know, you've got to keep doing stuff, keep trying. I, um, yeah, I, I find it so inspirational, like old bands as well, like the Rolling Stones. The fact that those motherfuckers are 80, 80 years old. And they're, they're still on stage, it. eh? Yeah, they're going after it. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, I think it's great. And as I get older, I, like, uh, I, I would have made jokes about them like back in the day, like, oh, God, give it up, guys, give it up. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. But now I applaud it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. It's goals. Yeah, and that's that shift between chopping poppies and growing them. Um, Sign-off question. Ask everyone. If you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch and dinner, what's it going to be? Salmon and broccoli. No. <laughs> oh. Probably. I'm my, uh, my, my girlfriend's moving up shortly. She, she, she's been saying to me, I can't wait to live in with, with you so you can start eating properly. Salmon so, and broccoli. Just, <laughs> I mean, that's very clean. That's a clean lean. Is it rice? Eh? Rice? Any no, no, no rice. Oh, if, I've, if I've got a big run the next time, I need some extra carbs. I'll, yeah. yeah. That sounds nice. It's yum as. How do you make the salmon? Oh, just um, like in the George Foreman grill or a frying pan. That does sound good. And the broccoli? Yeah. I just like, oh. So I put in, a, put in a pot with boiling water and some, like, normally chicken salt. Yep, yes. For a bit of seasoning. This is a good one. I've heard people say, 
butter chicken. I'm like, really? You're going to eat butter chicken for the rest of your days? No, that's an impulse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but day three, you'll regret that. Yeah. Um, but but in, in saying that, like, don't don't think I'm some sort of a food martyr or anything. Like, I'll I'll get a uh, like a, a block of dairy milk chocolate that says family block, and I'll I'll smash that. <laughs> In like 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah, I'm a savage. <laughs> but I just happen to quite like salmon and broccoli. That's a but also Also, they, those family blocks, what's, what family are they that, feeding? That's a tiny, tiny family. <laughs> I like that quote, I'm a savage, but salmon and broccoli. <laughs> I'm just trying to, it's not about being, um, it's the same with, with running and anything. It's just, it's making the right decisions most of the time. Oh, 100%. Salmon and broccoli is top tier. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for me, um, I've never been diagnosed with, with anything. I, I think I've definitely got some ADHD traits and I, I'm probably on the spectrum somewhere. I, I don't know. So maybe it's a specky sort of thing. Yeah. Um, just being able to eat the same thing every, every day. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know. Do you reckon if you grew up in now, like if you were in school now, because I think there's oh, yeah. more awareness. But yeah, they, they would label the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'd be a lot of labels uh, someone said to me oh you should get tested and I'm, I'm like I don't know if it would make any difference I, I suppose I, they could you know, put me on Ritalin or Concerta or something for ADHD but I don't know yeah I, I, yeah I get everything done okay well ADHD you're always going and you can probably multitask pretty well <laughs> no. No, 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 multitasking is a myth, eh? You reckon? No, no, if you're multitasking, it means you're, you're doing a bunch of tasks and you're not doing any of them to the best of your ability. Oh. But I'm, I am terrible at it. Yeah. I'll sit down, do some prep for an interview, then I'll be on my phone. Yeah. 18 minutes later, I'm still on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, okay, so no labels but savage. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good takeaway. Yeah, takeaway. Um, I'll wrap up because we're, we're banging on the hour, but... Thank you, and I love that I could just say to you, yeah, I got that tall poppy in myself when I saw you going down the realm of tall poppy, and then, to your point, just make a bigger table. So to have us in the same room and to me just to ask you these questions that have been burning in my mind, thank you. And people, there's endless things people mm. can listen to for mm. you, so they can obviously go to the Dom Harvey podcast now yeah, and, yeah. and listen to it all, but thank you for your time. To- oh, no, th- thank you, and, and can I just say good on you for... Um, Starting the podcast, first of all, but also sticking with it. Um, there's some stat about podcasts. I think something like 95% of the podcasts online um, never got past like episode three or four. Because people start a podcast with a hiss and a roar. Everyone thinks they've got a podcast in them. And then the reality um, hits home of how much work's involved. And, and, and your heart's got to be in it. And the fact that you've launched this thing as a, like a passion project or a hobby and you've stuck at it for a whole year, I think it's really cool. Oh, thank you. It's really neat. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And we'll see what the next year brings. Yeah, what are you, what are you hoping? Uh, Do you have a plan? Um, same as you, not really. I think there's a direction, there's a path, there's people I would love to talk to. You know who would be fascinating, I'm sure you'd love to talk to him too, is like Israel Adesanya. Oh, my God. Yeah, he would be great on this subject. Yeah, because he... 2017 at the Halberg Awards or something talked about Tall Poppy then and that's actually when I first was like oh yeah and I kind of picked up on it then I went to the States so he would be like if I ever got to have this conversation with him he's someone that I think would be phenomenal to talk to. Um, He's a fascinating guy very articulate very intelligent. Yeah and really into the way he views like anime and how that impacts you know the hunter becomes the hunted and all these things so I think that shapes how he looks at defeat in some person's eyes 
he thinks in the anime storytelling is actually just a part of the long-term journey. Mm. So, yeah, he, he's quite an inspiration. And then just in general, keeping, keeping at it because I love every conversation I have and I take something away from mm. it. I think that's the um, that's the thing. That anyone that's starting up a pod- first of all, if you want to start up a podcast, you should you should do it. Um, but just know that it's a it's a lot of hard work, and yeah. you may not get any rewards. You know, you might look at the analytics and think, oh, only twenty people listen to that, and it took me hours. But you gotta love it. Yeah. But I think that's the same with anything. If you want to do anything well in life, you you gotta love it. Again, thank you. Check out Dom everywhere, and just thanks for being on Tall Poppy Talk. I've loved it. Gross. Thanks so much. I've loved it as well. And you've, you've made me think about some things that I haven't thought about before. And this afternoon I'll be like, fuck, I could have said this, I could have said that. James. But that's life, eh? Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time. Take care.